Hello and welcome back. My name is Casey Carbone. It's good to join you for another Sunday Reflection. Again, as always, I invite you to get a Bible of your own if you have one nearby, or invite you to follow along as I read the, the scripture. The first reading this week comes from the Old Testament, from the book of Genesis, chapter 17, verses 1 to 7, and then verses 15 to 16. Let us listen now to God's holy word and what it says to us this day. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell down. And God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations, kings of peoples will come from her. This is the first reading of Holy Scripture. The second reading, if you would like to follow along, comes from the New Testament from the book of Romans, Romans chapter 4, verses 13 to 25. For the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation For this reason, it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham. For he is the father of all of us, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist, hoping against hope, he believed that he would become the father of many nations, according to what was said. So numerous shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body which was already as good as dead, 
for he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith, as he gave glory to God, being convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Therefore his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now the words, it was reckoned to him, were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be reckoned to us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was handed over to death for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What was the last thing you hoped for? Maybe you've hoped for your favorite team to win the Super Bowl, though I don't know uh, how your chances look if you're rooting against a team where Taylor Swift's involved. Or maybe you are hoping for a friend or a family member to win at a competition or another kind of event. Maybe you're hoping that you're going to have a snow day so you don't have school or hoping that something you've lost will be found and returned to you. Maybe you've hoped for something deeper, something that goes beyond our surface hopes. Maybe you've hoped for a change in a job or you've hoped to find employment. Maybe you've had hope for a relationship, hope for health of someone who is close to you or you yourself. I admit that at times hope doesn't always make much sense. Hope transcends our human understanding. It often gives us something to look forward to, to cling to when the going gets tough. However, it can be challenging to hope against hope when the world sometimes feels quite hopeless. And therein lies the key as we explore this Lenten passage and expand our ability to hope when the world says otherwise. Because the reality, we see this, we see this. The reality in our first reading, for example, where Abram, Abraham, and Sarai, Sarah, had no reason to hope for what their hearts desired. Abraham explicitly grapples with the reality that their bodies are decaying. Their bodies are old. And they, to any other person, bear... They don't bear the ability to have children. This makes God's promise appear all the more audacious, especially when God says, I will make my covenant between me and you and will make you exceedingly numerous. This promise that God makes to Abram, Abraham, must seem, it must 
seem like something that's completely unbelievable. And it does seem unbelievable. And it seems so unrealistic that Abraham falls down in disbelief and laughs in verse 17, which wasn't included. Abraham falls down on his face, the reading says, and laughs and says, Can a man be born to can a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Can Sarah, who is ninety, bear a child? What are you thinking, Lord? At this point, Abraham knows. He knows that hope holds within it a lot of power. But within that power, he also knows it holds a lot of pain. We might assume that they've experienced this, that they've had their hopes raised only for them to be disappointed. Yet, Abraham still leaves room for his faith in God to comprehend this promise of a new beginning. And perhaps that's because he and Sarah had a community to draw strength from that supported his hope, supported his faith. I don't know if you've noticed, but it seems like we are in this strange time where it feels like we're going through the motions and there are a lot of people who are struggling to find hope. And some of those people may be in the pews who we worship with. While Abraham and Sarah may have had a community to lend them strength, there are a lot of people who feel like they don't have that kind of support. And the sad truth, the sad reality is that many who find themselves in a position where they don't have that kind of support, they turn to communities of faith because they think they can find it there only for them to be hurt even more or turned away. Dr. David Litz, who once served as a special advisor to the U.S. Surgeon General, has observed this phenomenon. And in his observation, he notes that there are two significant factors that go on in people's lives as they contemplate, wrestle with a deep sense of hopelessness that drives them into desperate actions. Dr. David Lutz says, a loss of hope and a loss of social connection are two big factors. And he says that if the Church of Jesus Christ can't do something about those two things, it might as well just close its doors. A church I once served would occasionally set out these huge wooden letters that spelled out hope. There was an H-O-P-E. And they did this for uh, Relay for Life. Uh, which is a fundraiser part of the American Cancer Society. And it also set these letters up at other times uh, during the pandemic, for example. 
And I would often be surprised just how many people would drop notes or comment on how much they appreciated seeing those words on the street corner. It made me wonder, and it makes me wonder, how we as the church can live into hope more faithfully. How we can live into hope more authentically and shed any kind of vain or twisted notion that we could even gatekeep hope. Because as Dr. Lutz reminds us, if we as the church cannot even create a space for people who are hopeless and help them find hope and help them live into what the hope of our faith is, then what in the world are we doing? There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God, from the hope that flows from the throne of God. And Paul reiterates that for us. Paul reiterates that for us by reminding us that the law or our human traditions cannot keep us from such a faith and hope. And that the beauty of our faith is that it speaks hope into places that are in need of it. That it speaks hope into the hearts and minds of those who need that healing balm. That it speaks that saving word that nothing can keep us from the grace and hope of God. Now, what would that look like? What would it look like for us to cultivate this kind of hope in a way that's real, to make it manifest right here and now? What would it look like for us to cultivate hope in a manner that welcomes? Hope that invites change, allows us to try something new for the sake of living into the law of God's hope, which abounds in steadfast grace. Because if we look at what the future is going to bring, this here will be something we need to answer. We will need to answer how we address hopelessness. How we, against all hope, create a place for people to come and to feel loved and to feel welcomed when there may be places they are not able to feel that. And that will mean for us we do something new, that we dare to live into some new thing that perhaps doesn't fit with, well, that's how we've always done it. And that's beautiful. It's beautiful because it dares us to live into the hope and make manifest the hope of what God is doing in our midst. I believe it was that goofy and lovable Midwest coach with a very thick mustache, Ted Lasso, who said, I think it's the lack of hope that comes to get you. See, I believe in hope. I believe in belief. Hope goes against our preference for what is rational and quantifiable. We cannot measure hope or predict whether it will bear any real impact on a particular outcome. 
So by all means, hope doesn't make much sense. But it's hope that binds us together. Hope that speaks a vision, that casts a vision for how life together can and should be when guided by the law of God's love. It is all the more important for us to realize that while hope is something we seek for ourselves, it is something we are called to grow in others in sacred and ordinary spaces. For it is the lack of hope, for if it's the lack of hope that comes and gets us, it is the fullness of hope that strengthens us and gives us life. Against all hope. Abraham and Sarah became parents, just as the Lord promised. Against all hope, we become children of God. We became children of the living God, bound by a law of love. And against all hope, we are called to be a living embodiment of hope, even when the world says otherwise. Because who doesn't need a dose of hope when the world seems like everything when it seems like everything is falling apart. As we craft a vision for what it means to be a people of faith, a community of faith, shouldn't we include the perhaps radical idea of cultivating space for hope to flourish? Hope that breathes God's new life into the places that need it most? Our creating space for hope to grow will allow people to share their stories their experiences, their passions, which will only create more growth. As we think about how Sarah and Abraham never gave up hope, being supported by those around those, by the faith of those who came before us, let us remember that hope often breaks conventional wisdom. This season, we are asked to grab onto hope as we discern where God is is leading us. Sometimes it feels like the world has no hope left, but together as a community of believers, we can be agents of hope and healing in a weary world, making spaces where hope grows and changes lives. Friends, let us not forget how powerful hope can be, especially in those times where such support is needed. Against all hope, the love of God prevails and calls us into a deeper relationship with those around us as we build a community that reflects the hope-bearing heart of God. Amen. <laughs>